Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Grace. My name is Nick Stalnos. I'm the assistant pastor here at the church, and I will be leading us in worship and uh, in the preaching as well. Later this morning, we were able to record the music yesterday, so you will be able to see the music team lead us and participate that way. If you don't have your bulletin, go ahead and download that. You can get that and uh, participate as we worship together. Just a few announcements. Obviously today with the weather, we wanted everyone to stay home and to stay safe. So all events at the church are canceled today. That includes youth group, uh, but we look forward to our youth group hangout this Friday night at the Van Ambers and a Super Bowl party coming up Sunday night at our house next week. Uh, but coming up this week, uh, the men's Bible study is kicking off their study, our study of the book of Daniel and that starts at 6.30 p.m. this Wednesday night at the church. If you have any questions, reach out to Scott Van Zandt, and he would be happy to answer any of those questions or inquiries that you might have. Well, we're here to, to worship today. We're home safe and sound, but we are, are together in spirit, and uh, because of God's Holy Spirit, uh, we can draw near together. So let me begin with prayer, and then we will pray the Lord's Prayer together. So let's pray. Thank you, God, for this technology that allows us to, to be together, to, to unite together around your word, and to be uplifted and encouraged. We pray that you would help us during this time. Certainly, Lord, we pray for those who are sick and uh, who are suffering. Uh, we pray that you would be near them and help them and help them to draw encouragement from your word and from your spirit, and we pray for their healing and for their recovery. And now, Lord, we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now before we sing, we have our call to worship, which comes from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We now have the privilege together to confess our faith. As you know, we've been going through the Shorter Catechism all year. And today we have questions 9 and 10 from the Shorter Catechism. I'll ask the question and if you're able... Um, and you've got the answers in front of you, or if you haven't memorized, um, you can uh, recite it together. What is the work of creation? The work of creation is God's making all things of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. Question 10. How did God create man? God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. 
Now we have the chance to confess our sins together. So if you have it in front of you, let's pray this prayer together. Triune God, we draw near to you in humble confession and repentance. You call us to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But we have put other gods before you to find peace and security. You call us to love our neighbor as ourself, but we even have failed to love well our family and friends, let alone our neighbors. We have forgotten those you have called us to serve. Please forgive us for not living up to your high calling. Thank you, Father, for loving us and sending us your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for being our perfect Savior and Redeemer. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us new life and empowerment to serve you and serve others. In all these things we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We've confessed our faith. We've confessed our sin. And now we receive the promise of assurance of pardon from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If you are weary, if you're weary from your sin, if you're weary from striving, and you come to Jesus confessing your sin, turning from it, wanting to be rid of it, and looking to Jesus Christ, I say to you on the authority of God's word that your sins are forgiven. Jesus has taken them away. Be encouraged, be refreshed, and be assured that God has taken away your sin in Jesus. I invite you to turn in your Bible, if you have one with you, if you've got it handy, to Psalm 87. We're taking a little break this week from our study, our walk through Nehemiah, and I get to preach God's word for us today from Psalm 87, and I'm going to read the text and we'll go ahead and get started. So this is God's word from Psalm 87. A Psalm of the Sons of Korah, a song. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia with Tyre, with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples. This one was born there, Selah. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Let me pray once again as we get into God's word. Thank you, Lord, for this time. We pray that you would help us, that we would understand what your word is saying to us, what you uh, want us to know today. And as we look ahead to a new week, uh, we pray that you would speak to us by your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin by asking a question. And the question is this. How do you feel about your hometown? How do you feel about your hometown? 
For some of you, this area is your hometown. You grew up here, you haven't known anywhere else. Uh, you like it well enough, although I'm certainly you, I'm certain you have some complaints. Uh, you've got family here, you've got friends here, you've got your favorite restaurants. Some of you might like the Amish Market restaurant or even IHOP. If you like sports, you probably like the Washington teams or the Baltimore teams. And you've spent your life here, you've built memories. It's familiar. But for others of you, this is not your hometown, whether you grew up uh, in DC, out of the state, or even out of the country, you find yourself miles away from those familiar places and experiences and the people that you grew up with. And you sometimes long to experience them again. As many of you know, I did not grow up in this area. I spent my childhood years in a town called Kankakee, Illinois, which is about an hour south of Chicago. And then I spent my college years and beyond in the city of Chicago in different neighborhoods. And if you've talked with me before, you know that I have affection for these places. I like to tell people about the restaurants that I like there or the teams that I like and the experiences that I've had. And certainly whether you grew up around here or far away, uh, your hometown has had an impact on you. So I ask you one more time, what feelings do you have about your hometown? And I ask that because today we're going to think about Psalm 87 and how it expresses feelings about a hometown, not just feelings, but true statements about the true home for all of God's people. So again, whether you are from South County, born and raised, Baltimore, D.C., or beyond, I'm here to tell you, and this is our big idea this morning, that the city of God is your true hometown in Christ. The city of God is your true hometown in Christ. When this city of God is our true hometown, when we understand it, it makes an impact on us. And we're going to think about this in, in three sections. The first is an important question, what is the city of God? Second question is, who lives there? And third, why is it the best? In other words, what do the inhabitants of the city of God think about it? What are their feelings about it? So first, what is the city of God? Let's make a few observations from the first three verses. It says, on the holy mount. Holy means set apart. And as you think of a mountain, you, you see it, it's high above, it is great, it is exalted. It says, stands the city he founded. Cities are great, designs are great, but there is nothing compared to the designer who is God. This is the city that he designed. This is the city that he established that's special to him. It says, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places <clears throat> of Jacob. He chose it and he loves it supremely. Even the gates, this, this imagery of the security and the stability of this city, uh, this is what the Lord loves. When you think about how God chose his people, God often reminded, him, reminded them in the Old Testament that it was not because that they were so great. 
it wasn't because they were they had a better attitude than the other peoples around them. No, God reminds them that they were a stiff-necked people. They were the least. They were uh, not much at all, but God in his grace chose them and made a covenant with them. And the idea is similar in the way that God feels about this city that he made. So the original audience, it was Jerusalem. Why was it Jerusalem? Well, this was the city where the temple was. And the temple was where God met with his people, where God dwelled with them. He was with them. And this was the true place of worship. You remember when uh, Jesus met the woman at the well, they got into a discussion about the true place of worship. And interestingly, Jesus says, there will be a day when we don't worship on this mountain or the other, but the true worshipers are those who worship God in spirit and in truth. He's pointing to this future reality. But Jerusalem was a big deal, especially in the Old Testament, because the temple was there. As you know, we've been learning in our journey through Nehemiah that Jerusalem was not always looking glorious. We read in verse 3 of uh, Psalm 87, that glorious things of you are spoken of, city, O city of God. But Nehemiah uh, noticed and God's people knew at that time that the city of God was not looking glorious. God's people had been exiled for their disobedience and the armies that took them away destroyed the city in the process. The city became a cause of lament that continued to the day that Nehemiah was in the presence of the king and he was looking so sad and the king asked him, why are you so sad? And remember, we just learned this was his response. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Jerusalem, the city of God, was not what it had, what it was supposed to be. And even when we think about our hometowns or the cities that we are fond of, our memories are not without disappointment and pain. We have the good memories, but then we also have the bad memories, the difficult times. Uh, these cities are not um, a perfect home with a perfect security where we can live forever. Think of a city like Berlin. I've never been to Berlin, Germany. I've seen pictures of it. But from what I've seen, uh, they have wide boulevards and they have old buildings. They have this orderly layout. It looks like a really cool city. I would love to visit there sometime. But we know that Berlin, Germany has a dark history as well. During World War II, it was the Nazi capital. Evil orders went out from Berlin uh, to other areas and, and carried out terrible, terrible deeds. And by the end of the war, that city of Berlin, you've seen the pictures probably, it was in ruins. And it shows us that every city has a history of good and bad. Berlin, Germany, uh, our own hometowns, if we dig, usually we find out that things are not always as they should be, even in affluent areas. Sometimes the affluence just covers up the dysfunction and the sin uh, so that we don't see it as clearly as we do in other places where um, people are not as affluent. Sinners are everywhere, 
sometimes if you have money, you can cover it up a, a little better. But it causes us to long for this more lasting city. The, the lasting city that Hebrews 13, 14 speaks of, where it says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. This is something that makes our heart cry out. As much as we have this fondness, as much as we sometimes long for the familiarity of our hometown, if we're honest, we know that here we have no lasting city. And that should give us perspective. Certainly, we should seek the good of the city and the town and the area, uh, the places in which we live. God has a special job for us as we love our neighbor, as we do his will, as we seek uh, good for our neighbors. Um, it's like what we do on Saturday mornings with the food distribution. Uh, there is no, um, there's no test of uh, faith. You don't need to uh, explain where you stand with the Lord in order to receive food. Um, we want that to happen. We want the opportunity to not only share food, but to also share the gospel. But we give and we show God's love to whomever God has placed around us. And it's important to do that. So the city of God is where God dwells with his people. It's this eternal city. It's something that uh, we look forward to in the future. It's our home now, even though we live in these earthly cities. But who are those that seek the city that is to come? In other words, who lives there? This is our second big idea, our second point. Who lives there? Well, we see in verse 4 some surprising details, some surprising news about the inhabitants of the city. Verse 4 says, Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. One, one commentator um, explains this, I think, in a helpful way. Derek Kidner says, This is a representative sample of the Gentile world is being enrolled in God's city. Their status is declared in two ways, each of which puts the matter very strongly. Towards God, they are counted as those who know me. So God wants us to know that he has people from everywhere. He is drawing people from everywhere. We only saw it in glimpses in the Old Testament where different people would come to the Lord and join his people. But here in Psalm 87, he was pointing forward to a time when the gospel would go out to the world when it would reach people from everywhere and people would want to claim the city of God as their home city. So toward the people of God, this is Kidder going on, they are not merely proselytes or converts. So these people are not just um, uh, second-class citizens. No, they, they can say, like Paul said in Acts twenty two twenty eight about his citizenship, that he was born a citizen. Brothers and sisters, you and I, if we believe in Jesus, if our trust is in him, we are citizens of the city of God. We have just as much a claim there as anybody else, not because we're so great, not because we're so smart, but because of God's grace, because we have someone who made us worthy to live there. 
But these names, uh, Rahab, uh, probably represented Egypt, Babylon. Uh, again, these two were these great powers and persecutors of Israel's world, Kidner says. Uh, nearer to home, Philistia. Remember, the, the Philistines lived right next door and God's people weren't able to, to drive them out completely um, because they, they weren't uh, completely faithful. Tyre was this, uh, was this merchant city where there was lots of trade and lots of wealth. And uh, Ethiopia, uh, Cush, this was a symbol of the remoter nations, is what this commentator said. So you've got this sample of the nations all around that were God's, they were uh, the enemies of God's people, the ones who were often tempting them. But then God says, you know what? Even though these people were doing wicked things, uh, there are those from among these people that are also born in the city of God, just like you. So have this mindset of, uh, of an international body of believers. Don't limit yourself to um, just a, a small area. Again, think about it. If, if, um, if the Bible were written uh, in today's time, it probably would have listed, um, you know, America as uh, one of those last ones listed as one that was far away. And we could be thankful that the gospel has reached us. So the city of God contains people from everywhere. And the city of God is their true hometown. We read in Revelation 7, 9, and 10, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Again, no one is a member of this city because they earn it. No one belongs in this eternal city because of their money. Everyone who belongs to the city of God, who has the city of God as their hometown, it's because of salvation. And we know that salvation comes through Jesus Christ, the one who was perfect, the one who was the perfect neighbor, the one who, in spite of his hometown that didn't receive him, he still loved them. He still preached the truth. He still ministered to them and had compassion for them. And even we read about his attitude toward Jerusalem. He said, you who, who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how I, would have, how I would have longed to have brought you in. He loves his hometown because he knows that he wants the people of God. He wants those who have sinned, who have messed up, who have brought dishonor to their city, he wants to bring them back. He wants to give them by grace a place with him forever. And he does that by taking away their sin. He does that by being um, taken out of the city as he was led away to Golgotha, the place of the skull. He was taken out of the city so that you and I would be brought in. It's such a wonderful truth that he was put out so that we could be brought in and then we can be his representatives. We can tell people the good news that though 
we deserve to be cast out, that we have been brought into citizenship of this great city. So we see that the city of God is this eternal dwelling place of God with his people, ultimately in heaven. And we see that the city of God is there, um, this dwelling place. His people are from everywhere, but yet we're born in the city of God. What do they think about their city? In other words, why do they think it's the best? Look at verse 7. It says, singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Think of this joyful procession. Think of an over-the-top parade. Maybe you've seen a, a parade for a championship team. Or maybe you uh, have seen the pictures of the parades after World War II uh, of victory. Um, this is uh, this joyful procession. These singers and dancers, which represent worship and praise, uh, these inhabitants of the city, they cherish the city and they cherish the one who made it. They cherish the one that brought them into being. They love the one who called them and claimed them by grace. Again, I think of Rahab. She knew that God was working with his people. And instead of, um, I don't know, claiming her identity or uh, of going along with the rest of the people in fear, she had the boldness to trust in God, to hide the spies, and to be named among those who believe. The city of God is one that we can truly take pride in, sing about, glory in, look forward to, and depend on. Again, we can seek the prosperity of the city. We can invest. We can live our lives. We, we can do all these things. But with the city of God, there is no tinge. There is no pollution. There is nothing that would make us ashamed. And also think of God's grace displayed in the city of God. The city of God is where God's enemies become his friends. We are all born God's enemies. We are all born as those who want to run away from God and not to God. But by his grace, as we are called by God, as he records us and establishes us, it's not just what we say about ourselves, it's ultimately what God says about us that matters and matters for our destiny. And God says, verse six, the Lord records as he registers the peoples. This one was born there. Again, receive that by grace. That child of God, if, if, you're, if your hope and trust is in Jesus, you are born in this city. You are a citizen. It is your eternal home. It is... Um, your present home as you look in faith to God's promises, and it is your future home. Your future is secure in God. You can rejoice in God's mission to reach the nations just as you have been brought in and received God's grace and have become a member of the city of God by grace. Uh, you now can participate, and it is our duty and our pleasure to reach the nations more and more. And certainly to love the city that God loves. To love his people and the place where we dwell with God forever. Worship is so important when we gather. Certainly on a day like today, we miss when we're able to, to gather. But 
the heart of a Christian is true love for God and true love for his people. And each Sunday when we gather together, we get to rehearse and enjoy a taste of eternal glory that we will experience. So as we wrap up, think about this. Where is your hometown pride? Think of this from Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, where Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even him even to subject all things to himself. So brothers, I urge you, brothers and sisters, um, make your citizenship in heaven your deepest joy and your life-defining identity. Let it shape you. Be reminded that the heavenly Jerusalem is your hometown and that this city is your eternal home. Some of you um, moved away from the city because you don't want to be in a city. You want to have space and land and you want to be in the country. But I remind you that God's word says that we are destined to live in a city. Revelation 21, Then I saw the new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. And then in verse 22, for Revelation 21, And I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Jesus is there. That is the best thing about heaven. That's the best thing about the city of God, that God is dwelling with his people. Jesus makes you worthy Jesus alone makes you worthy of the city of God. Trust in him. Rejoice in your true hometown. Worship the Lord with gladness. Enjoy the fellowship of his people. Commit yourself to reaching the people that God is bringing into this city. I'm going to close in prayer and we will get to sing one more time. So let's pray. Lord, what wonderful truths you have for us today from Psalm 87 that the true hometown of believers is the city of God. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in this identity. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in your presence with your people and to look forward to that day, to know that our home is secure in heaven with you. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone who is not yet put their trust in you, that you would enable them to come to you today to trust in you and to become a citizen of the eternal city, the new Jerusalem. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive now this parting blessing by faith from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and have a blessed day.